parents, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Why, hey, it's me. Guys, listen, one of the things that always happens in Twiniversity is I teach these classes, right? Like I teach live classes. And then at the end of class, we're all like super sad because it kind of ends. And it is. It's kind of heartbreaking because I fall in love with you guys, especially those of you who took our live class. So after all of these years, I have finally listened. You will be happy to know. So we have created Twiniversity memberships to kind of keep that conversation going. There are two different membership levels. One is the meetup level, which includes a Zoom meetup with other twin families from around the universe. Yes, literal universe. If you are from another planet, as long as you have twins, you are totally welcome to be part of our squad. It is hosted by a social worker, which is great because not only does she have the twin experience to, you know, speak about and, you know, pull from her own life experience, but she also has kind of that clinical experience to to really help us solve our problems. The meetup level also includes access to our private Facebook group, which is currently thriving. You will love it. It's it's a literal group. You could ask questions 24 hours a day. Members will answer you back. The squad will answer you back from the Twiniversity team. So you got that. Then we have a whole separate other membership level for people who are like, I like a more formalized education. And that's called the Learner Library. The Learner Library is filled with video seminars that are added each month that cover all different stages of parenting. Everything from infant twins to issues with your marriage, we cover we're, we're not leaving anything off the table, honestly. If you guys know me, you know that I am big on the TMI and we just rip off band-aids and we talk about things. That's the kind of stuff that we're going to include in the Learner Library. All the stuff in the Learner Library, like if you sign up for that, you also get access to the meetup level as well. So it's kind of having the best of both worlds, the formal education and kind of that socialization. And you can sign up month by month if you want to give it a try. We encourage you to give it a try. Try it for one month, see how you like it. And if you like it, then go ahead and sign up for the whole year because it's a pretty good discount. For more information, head on over to twiniversity.com slash membership, and I will see you guys over there. Jewel. Nat. Postpartum anxiety. Woot woot! Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Go. Go. Oh, okay. Um, so postpartum anxiety. What, what is that? Like, is how that? do you know that you have postpartum anxiety? Okay. So postpartum anxiety is different from postpartum depression, which most people have heard of. Most people have heard of postpartum depression if they've heard of anything relating to a postpartum mood disorder. Um, but postpartum anxiety is, um, it, it's different than depression in that when it, when it comes to depression, you may feel like you just can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't want to do anything but sleep and shut yourself off to the world. Um, like you don't want to take care of yourself. You don't want to shower. You just are falling deep into a hole. Anxiety, I like to kind of think of it as it's not the opposite of depression, but it's like um, hyper, it could be hyper vigilance. It can be like, you shoot out of bed the second you have to, and you're off doing things and you're constantly doing things because you feel like this always constant, like panic, this yes. urge to complete tasks and get planning done and set things up. And, it, you know, in the hopes that that will help your feelings to ease, but it never really does. And, um, you know, you could be hyper aware of your babies. You may be like, I, you know, I don't want anybody uh, touching my babies, but me, I want to be in total control of them. And you feel anxious anytime anybody else tries to care for them. Um, 
It could just be that you you also feel may feel like you can't really sleep well, even when you get the opportunity to sleep. And really postpartum anxiety can even start in the, you know, it could be perinatal. It could start mm -hmm. during pregnancy as well. So that is also a thing. Um, but when it's postpartum anxiety, there are treatments and medications that you can take that are safe for breastfeeding. And, um, you know, it was really when I was in the hospital um, right after delivery that it, I think it was about day three that I realized that I hadn't really slept and that I just, I just couldn't shut my brain off. I was just like constantly on, on, on. I think I maybe got like two hours of sleep a day and it wasn't because I couldn't, I didn't have the opportunity to sleep. It's just when I did have the opportunity to sleep, my brain would not shut off. Yeah, It was go, 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 go. And by the third day, I had finally, I had to say to the nurse, look, um, I think I have serious anxiety and I need to talk to a doctor about it. And then they were like, oh, okay, we'll be right back. And then all of a sudden the wheels were in motion and I had social workers coming to me. I had everybody, I had, you know, within four hours, um, a medication, uh, for Ativan. And, um, so then that kind of started that. And then pretty much immediately out of the hospital, I was able to, through a friend, get a referral for a, um, a therapist, a psychologist who specialized in postpartum mood disorders. And so then I started seeing her right away. I'm also the kind of person where as soon as I figure out that there's a problem, I'm like, mm -hmm. how do I fix this? What do I need to do? How many therapies can I get? What kind of medication do I need to get on? Let's just fix it. But a lot of people, they don't feel comfortable with that. They don't want to admit that they have a problem. They don't want to admit that things are really extra hard for them. And they just try to power through it. And, um, it very often ends up in a hospital stay um, or a breakdown of some point um, and then not being able to care for your own babies. I teach the live Twiniversity online class, uh, the online Expecting Twins class. And um, I'm always saying to my students that you have to, you and your, your partner have to really pay attention to how you're feeling, how you're functioning on a day-to-day -day basis, because if you let things go too long, you won't be able to be there for your babies because something's gonna happen to you. The whole yeah. putting on your oxygen mask first before you put on your child's like they yeah. have on the airplane. Um, and uh, you know, I feel like that is so important. You yeah. know, We talk about like self-care, 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 but when, it, when you're in the trenches of the newborn stage and the young twin stage, it's so hard to think of yourself. Totally. And you don't recognize it. If you've never had anxiety or depression or any other um, mood disorder before, you would not know that that's what's happening. Yeah. And so when, when it comes to who I get calls from, by the way, out of when I used to teach in reality in New York City, the majority of calls I would get would actually be from dads that would say, you know, I don't know how to help her. I'm worried about this. And one of the things that frustrated me most is that when I delivered my twins, there was no regulation on checking in of if you've had any type of mood disorder. And you too, Jewel, that was like you were at the, the sixth week. It was the six week appointment with your OB. They gave you a thing to fill out for postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember it having anything on there about anxiety. Mm -mm. I didn't even get it. I don't even remember getting a checklist. And at six weeks, my babies came out of the NICU at four weeks. Uh -huh. So we had already been in there. So by the time I went to the real doctor, it was so, the discussion was so wrapped around their uh, NICU experience. There was no, how are you? Right. I also hated my doctor. Like literally the first doctor, the first pediatrician that I ever saw, yeah. she was like four years old. She just got out of med school. And I'm like, dude, I, I just can't. Yeah. I just didn't like her. And then there was another doctor in the practice. And I was like, I don't mean to be offensive, but I want to see somebody else. And then that became my forever doctor. Oh, so you know, Marie, so worth it. Yeah. But I was, I, I did not have the nerve to yeah. say we wanted to see another doctor. And this goes back to just being an advocate for yourself yeah. that thank God my husband has such a big mouth because I ah. normally am the one with the big mouth. But when he saw that I had no voice, he became my big mouth. Well, I think I'm sure as soon as John noticed that you weren't talking, 
that there was something wrong. That's always the sign there's something wrong with Nat. When she stops talking, you're either in trouble or something bad has happened. That is, that's in the book. And that's how he knows when I'm sick is when I'm not like, so in the, in, uh, in what to do when you're having to, I talk about that first time that I, I think I talk about when I go to the hospital for the first time, how he knew something was up is that I was laying on the couch and he was talking to me and I wasn't really talkative. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing. And that's, that's when you were in, that's yeah. when you were having preterm labor, right? Yeah. 27 weeks. I always knew that one of the reasons why we started Twiniversity was because I did have such an insane postpartum and prenatal experience that I was like, hey, if the poop hits the fan, you're going to be okay too. So that's what we're kind of talking about today. We're talking about all the postpartum issues and we're going to meet Katie. So she's a good friend of ours of Twiniversity and I can't wait for you to meet her. Jewel, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Well, without further ado, here's Katie. Hi, Katie. Hello. Katie, the plants behind you, are they edible um, things or are they just decorative plants? No, they are things I'm trying to keep alive while I work from home. It should be easier because I spend more time here, but it's not. You're doing a good job though. They look really great. Like any herbs over there. I love it. I love plants. I actually bought a bunch of artificial plants on Amazon because there's zero natural light in the room where my office is. And when they arrived, I was very surprised to find out that I didn't buy artificial plants. I bought real plants. And I was like, why is this? Why is it taking so long? Why are they FedExing it? That's weird. And then they got here and I'm like, what's with this? Is this real dirt? Because the plants don't look real. They're like waxy leaves. And so now I have a bunch of real plants that I'm going to get to watch die. I can't yeah. send them back because like our babies, you can't send them back. Once they're here, I need to just try to take care of them as best I can. I already killed one. So one out of four dead in the first seven days, not good at all. So you can give this a gift and pretend that it's a well-intentioned, like I want to put some more life in your life as opposed to like, I can't, I can't take care of this now. That's a really good idea. Katie, you are the wealth of knowledge. (laughs) See, I flip it back on you. Okay. So today we're not talking about plants, although I could talk about plants and I think Katie could too, because if you saw the jungle that is behind her, it's quite beautiful. And I love any type of greenery, any sign of life, but that kind of goes in a little bit to our conversation. So today we're talking about postpartum anxiety. And I love that when you, we always ask our guests, you know, list some strategies and some takeaways that you want people to kind of know about. And as weird as it may be, like having plants or something else to take care of actually could sometimes be very rewarding if you find gardening a nice alleviation of anxiety. So that's, that's going to be my pretend segue into the topic. I hope anybody bought it. That would be good. But mostly of all you, Katie, you're the one that I'm selling it to. So let's talk. Let's have some real talk. You had some babies. I understand, okay. right? Two you had of some twins. I, I don't understand why everybody on this podcast has twins. It's so weird. What a coincidence. Who knew? Something in the water. It's definitely something in the water. But you had your 20s at 30 weeks. Was it 30 I weeks did. on the day? Yeah. Ooh, 30 weeks on the day. So you're, you're right there at the cusp of um, OMG town. So in, in a normal universe, um, uh-huh. if you had 30-week-old babies, I would be having a nervous breakdown, right? If you had a singleton. However, Katie, unfortunately, we have many people who deliver between 29 and 31 you know, weeks. It's, it's kind of this, this window of you know, insanity is really what it is. There's a lot that goes on, whether it's your body, whether it's the twenties, there's just so much that happens. How did this come to be? What was the the reasons for your delivery before we even jump into the postpartum sign? How was the pregnancy, the conception? That must've been fun. It's always fun, even if it was new school style, but how did, <laughs> how did we get to being a twin parent? Yeah, uh, we were excited to have kids and we went at that and (laughs) it worked surprisingly well. We found out pretty early at our first major ultrasound, they said, oh, here's a heartbeat and here's another beating heart. And I like to quote my partner on this where he went, (laughs) and I had to say, honey, I'm really excited because I didn't know better. (laughs) I was just totally pumped. And I was like, are you making it an excited or is that a, I'm pretty terrified right now. Eee! And he was like, 
I think it's good. I think it's good. Aw, okay. Yeah. I wasn't excited, E. So that was nice. Uh, a couple days later, I think the anxiety started. I like to call it pre-postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. Perinatal uh, anxiety is what we technically would call it. See, there's a name for it. Um, when I had some spotting and went into uh, urgent care with somebody who had a terrible bedside manner and wow. used the phrase, we'll find out if you're still pregnant. Oh my gosh. Which was not delightful. Uh, and then everything seemed like it was going really smoothly. 29 weeks in a couple of days, I was having a pizza party with my writing group and then my water broke. Wow. Hello. Um, and it turns out that I had been having contractions, but I didn't think I'd even had Braxton Hicks at that point. Okay. So luckily I had packed the hospital bag and I was like, okay, hubby, it's time to get in that car and drive yeah. to that hospital on the route that we didn't plan yet. <laughs> and got there and they're like, yeah, your water definitely broke and you're three centimeters dilated. So we're gonna keep you here till the babies are born. Okay. Did they try to do anything to push you, you know, like what did they try to do? To Yeah, we did the steroids to encourage the lung growth and we did the magnesium. Uh, always fun feeling your, your whole body's on fire. Yep. Trying to keep them in and we got about three days. Okay. Three days is still well. better than no days. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, three days, you know, at that stage of your pregnancy really is a kind of make it or break it every 24 hour, every 12 hour period is a big milestone. So yeah. So 30 weeks on the day you end up delivering your babies. Did you end up having them vaginally? Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) they were doing all the monitoring. They did the thing. And like you said, the three days was really the goal because that's when they say the steroids kick in. So Mm -hmm. that's the point when they were like, okay, well, we're going to stop trying to hold back delivery. And if it happens, it happened. Okay. Call us if you're having any um, contractions. And I was yeah. like, okay, but I haven't thought I was before. So how would I know now? How do I know now? I mean, like yeah. there were some contractions, there was some pain, but I didn't think it was like, I'm having a baby now levels of mm-hmm. pain. So I had a very nice little bit there where I kind of sang to them and enjoyed not having baby monitors shifting on my tummy. And <laughs> I got about three more hours before somebody finally peeked in and was like, hey, are you feeling anything else? And I was like, I don't know. I kind of just have to poop. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh oh. <laughs> so yeah, they did the thing like in the hospital or in the movies where they actually said like, oh, we got to rush her to the OR. She's going to have this baby in this bed. And I hadn't fully decided C-section or vaginal yet because mm-hmm. as far as I knew, they were down, but pretty small. Yeah. So I've got the anesthesiologist like asking me what I ate for dinner and how much I weigh as we go down the hallway and I'm like hugging my doctor and we finally decide for a c-section so we went for that um and thank goodness um because my uh son ended up getting kind of stuck in there oh that's so that would have been you might have had one in one was it b that was kind of stuck or a that was stuck it was b Mm -hmm. oh yeah so we got to do the t incision on the uterus so that was always a good time oh my gosh so you you had a lot it was it was a wild few hours that you had everything was fine and then spent three days completely like locked up like i didn't watch tv i didn't listen to music i was like keep these babies in there yeah now, what type out. of support was given to you in the hospital? Did anybody come by and say? Yeah, it like, was very nice. Okay, We had a couple nurses. We got the head doctors from the NICU to come in. They were all very reassuring. We had one doctor come in and start talking yeah. about brain bleeds and cerebral palsy and all the worst case scenario. Uh, so that was less fun. And it's it's a lot, you know, and I don't, for those of you that are listening that had a premature delivery, often that's typical that the, the doctors would come in, but, you know, they need to call it like it is because I guess that they don't want anybody having a false illusion of what could happen. But at the same time, it's a really fine line because when you listen to the reality of what could happen, you start going to, oh my God, is this going to happen? And you start losing the hope and the joy that your pregnancy was. Did they ever figure out what caused your premature? um, Nope. Really? So there you go. How old are the babies now? They are 23 months, 21 adjusted. Oh my gosh. And I'm just getting into real trouble. Oh, and the fun begins. Say goodbye to those plants. They're going to be edible uh, arrangements oh, to them. We call poison control twice. Oh, four plants. Yeah, it is. It is a number that people should have on handy just to know. Uh, if you don't, you should put it put it by the phone because that's when you need poison control. Is when you have tiny little kitties running around. 
All right. So now let's go. You deliver them via C-section. You go mm -hmm. into recovery. The babies are down in the NICU or up mm -hmm. in the NICU, depending on your hospital. When, how did the recovery start and were things looking good or did you start to feel, you know, your, your postpartum mood changing? Like when, when did you feel the shift? It's funny because I mean, it's all in your head and it, I was a first time mom and I'm mm -hmm. a first time mom in a high risk situation. So mm -hmm. I'm going, I have no idea what's normal. Yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to be feeling. You're so sleep deprived because everyone yes. is coming in all the time. You're trying to breast pump for the first time. If you're doing mm -hmm. that, which they really encourage in the NICU, <laughs> they would give me that standard Edinburgh postpartum screener thing. Uh, if it's cool, I would like to quote their question. Please. I have been anxious or worried for no good reason. I have felt scared or panicky for no good reason. Things have been getting to me. How do you answer these questions? Right. <laughs> so they screened you right then. And then it was, uh, I don't know, a day, a sleep mm -hmm. night before I got to go see the babies in the NICU. Um, and luckily everything was going pretty well with them right up front. So good. I wasn't aware of um, much more anxiety than usual. Mm -hmm. I was just like, whew, this is a whirlwind, but we did the thing. Yeah. There's more relief, I think, at that Yeah, point. you don't know what out. your baseline is supposed to be. You know, like, mm -hmm. how do you know as a new parent? And like, so many people say, including myself, like, this is just what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, they're saying, do you experience more anxiety than usual? Um, yeah, I'm experiencing <laughs> much more anxiety than usual. I have babies that are, you know, living by in other people's hands, mm -hmm. you know, so in other people's isolates. Yes. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. Plus, you know, your body is shifting from being pregnant to not pregnant. It was, you know, a very abrupt delivery, unexpected. So emotionally there was no preparation. You didn't even have your route to the hospital. So it is, it's, there's, you know, half of me that's like, what a joke these freaking screeners are. They're so stupid. Yeah. But at the other time, you know, maybe depending on who they're asking, it's allowing them to initiate a conversation at least. Yeah. So it's, it is kind of this, this weird, like what a waste and everybody's doing this just to cover their butts because mm -hmm. hospitals are so worried about, you know, are the litigious society that we live in, but you know, there gets to be a point that you realize, okay, maybe this isn't typical. Now, interestingly, I want to talk about your partner for a second mm -hmm. through the process of you having these babies. Did you have him at your side and did you have other people at your side? I had him. Yep. And then parents and in-laws kind of jumped in to see the babies, but NICU situation, we didn't stay yeah. long and they didn't get to hold them and all that. So it was basically me and the guy. So you and the guy, you go back to your recovery room. Mm -hmm. You're kind of um, coming to the conclusion that, you know, the dust is settling. Maybe you spent a little extra time in recovery. Thanks to that fancy mm -hmm. magnesium that you were given, which, you know, that's like the golden <laughs> ticket of, of delivering. So you go back to your room you have a moment of quiet. Do you have a discussion with him about what just happened? Or are you too much in the eye of the storm to even see outside of it? We were very practical. And in the moment, it was like, hey, babe, you okay? Yeah. Hey, babe, you okay? And then we're like, well, no, but yeah, <laughs> but no, but yeah. yeah. And so he was amazing helping me with like, trying to pump and clean pump parts and just pound as many granola bars dipped in peanut butter as I could and all okay. that. But we didn't have the like, whoa, yeah. what does this mean to you? How worried about them are you? We were trying to mostly keep the brave face in front of everybody else because we felt like it was probably okay, Yeah, but it sure wasn't what we expected. And we were still definitely just starting to process it. Yeah. But multiples, all, there is no what you expect, right? That's a, yeah. like that the survivor stole are saying, expect the unexpected. I hate it when survivors <laughs> started saying that. Or that, that other pregnancy book, what to expect when you're expecting, but we have what to do when you're having to. You know, you know it's, it's totally true. <laughs> do you know, Katie, that I didn't actually even name that book? Do no. you know that it was named by the Twiniversity audience? Oh, that's because cool. I said, I want to name this book. I don't know what to name it. And I could, she actually has an acknowledgement in the back of the book. So right. it was, it was so funny because it's like, this is, it's beyond what to expect. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, what, how do you, how do you even predict what you're going to expect? Right. We have 30 week deliveries. We have 38 week deliveries and we have 38 week deliveries that spend the same 52 days in the NICU. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there is no normal. Of course, we want something as typical as possible, but typical and normal are two totally separate words in my book. So mm-hmm. you're in the hospital. How long did you get to stay there with the babies in the NICU? Uh, I think I got the three days because of the C-section. Oh, okay. Well, you had a minute. Did you have a lot of opportunities to go to them when you were yeah. there? Okay. It was very open and they gave me the 24 seven badge and encouraged me to come down and then recommended up their care times and rounds, especially. Okay. Um, so I was kind of waddling up and down as much as I could. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. You know, to, to recover from a C-section to just kind of, you know, have that anesthesia wear out of your body in addition to all the other drugs that were given to you to keep those babies in that first three days, it is a little bit of a whirlwind. And most people don't even, you know, remember what day it is, what time it is, where they are, what's yeah. north. It's it's a very, very fuzzy kind of time. But then when you get discharged and you have to leave your babies there, which by the way, mm-hmm. I also experienced, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, I know. You know, you had 52 days of traveling back and forth to the NICU. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely an extended journey, which I feel like you should have some kind of stamps on your passport for that. I think that it should be noted everywhere. I always w- want parents of twins, especially NICU moms, to get like a face tattoo so we could spot each other in a crowd and be like, I'll save your seat. Don't oh, worry yeah. about it. I you got definitely, you. you like somebody 20% more once you find out they're a NICU yes. mom after this. Isn't that horrible <laughs> and wonderful at the same time? It's like, somebody's oh. got to. Yeah. NICU parents, in addition, not saying that a singleton NICU parent, I wouldn't pay as much attention to, but we were there for 31 days. I mean, we weren't there for, you know, the the 24 hour stay. We were real troopers. That hospital bill, I can't even imagine. We got our bill. It was all covered by the insurance, but it was well over $300,000 for the time that I was there. And I was there days before like you. And then, um, you know, I didn't get to stay. I had a vaginal delivery, so they shipped me out pretty quick. There was, that's when you want to have a C-section to have a little extra time when you're there. So once you get home, when do you start thinking about, I don't feel normal or do you ever feel? It was before I got home. I knew I was just getting so little sleep, especially with the pumping at night that I was just wondering like, is this straight sleep deprivation? Mm -hmm. Is this a postpartum mood disorder thing? Which I only knew about postpartum depression at the time. Or is this, cause like I've always been a little bit anxious, but never mm-hmm. to the point that it was now. I was like, I don't, I don't know, but this isn't great. I don't yeah. like this. I was calling in a lot of support during the day of people just to kind of be with me, not to yeah. mention everybody was driving me to the NICU and back. Mm. Um, so it was at my six week visit with my OB that I was like, hey, I've been taking these screeners, but your questions are so relative. And I am such the type A twin mom that you always talk about now <laughs> that I was like, I think I look like I'm doing great. I talk to the NICU nurses all the time and I tell them like, oh, I'm a little sad or I'm a little worried or something, but they're all like, you're amazing, you're doing great, you're showing up every day, whatever. I was like, I think it might be time to talk, what do we do here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had also gotten back with my counselor who I'd had a couple years ago for various other stuff. Good. And was like, hey, <laughs> some babies just popped out of me. I need a little checkup here. Yeah. And she really encouraged me to go talk to my doc um, and particularly to ask about the medication, which was the hardest part for me. It is. It's it's almost like you're defeated, you know, yeah. like the medication wins and you can't do it on your own and you well, failed as a parent. And it's not you, Katie, like this yeah, is all yeah. things that I felt. Mm-hmm. And I remember hiding it from people. And when people would say, you know, are you okay? I would say, I'm great, but I knew I wasn't great. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you're not great. You just don't know how to answer. And you don't know if the person that's asking really gives a crap. Right. Because, you know, as a new parent, like even I, I'm, I'm victim of it too. If I'm doing a lactation consult or something, I'll say, mm-hmm. how's it going? What a yeah. stupid question. I even yeah. said that to a couple I was speaking to yesterday. I was like, don't answer that. That was the dumbest question I've ever asked somebody. How's it going? Yeah. You know, you got four week old twins. Sincere and they listen to you and you connect whatever. Sometimes it's just too much. Yes. You just don't want to do that. Again. No, you don't. You just really don't. But you or luckily you knew the first line of defense. And I think people mm-hmm. who are, are receptive to their mental health and see treatment when it's necessary often know, okay, this isn't the huge. 
you mm-hmm. know, they know, and they have somebody to go back to. I really wish that in the United States, I mean, I know it's done in other countries. I really wish that it was kind of mandatory to, to make a contact when it comes to your mental mm-hmm. health. So many people are focused on our uterus and our fallopian <laughs> tubes and, you know, scarring. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's all important. I'm not saying it's not, but you get an appointment to see most insurances give you freely an opportunity to see a prenatal nutritionist but many do not give you the opportunity to see a prenatal mental health specialist. Hmm. It's very frustrating to me because, you know, Twin University being a global group, we have right. families in Australia that are like, um, you don't get that. And we're like, mm-hmm. um, no, we don't get that. <laughs> so there are people who are hyper aware of their mental health, like you were, and just thinking about it. And I'm lucky that you, I'm lucky because I have you here and I'm lucky for all of our moms, but I'm personally lucky because you were smart enough to know, and now you're, you're, smart enough to share your story with us in hopes Mm -hmm. that people recognize that it's not the huge, you know, and it's not only parents who have 52 day old, you know, NICU grads, it really is just a general postpartum mom situation that we have to realize that sure, our C-section is healing, but are we healing and how, and how do we do that? So with your experience, you called your therapist, they referred you back to your OB, you had a conversation with your OB. They're like, okay, you need to start medication. Did well, you start? They left it up to my choice. And my okay. thing was like, I was afraid to lose yourself, right? Like you don't yeah. want to take drugs that make you feel like somebody else or something. But at that point I realized like I had lost myself yeah. Yeah. for this whole process. Like I wasn't feeling like me. I wasn't acting like me. I couldn't make basic decisions. I had all these scary images going on that we can yeah. talk more about because that's kind of my main PSA to twin moms who might have postpartum anxiety. You see scary shit. It's real. It doesn't mean you're going to act on it. Yeah. What were some of the things like, did you have, like, I know that people, I mean, people are like, I'm going to take this car and I'm going to drive it off into the ditch. Yeah. no. It's just talk about it. So flippantly sounds horrible, right? It's not horrible. If somebody who's listening could say, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like, like I can remember that. I can remember saying, I'm just going to leave this house. I'm and I'm going to go and I'm not coming back. Yeah. For me, it was all vivid images of me hurting my own kids. Like I just saw me picking them up and bashing their head against the wall in the NICU and the nurses like finding us in a bleeding pile and figuring out what to do. Yeah. I was not prepared for that. Yeah. People aren't because it's not discussed. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say here's the signs, even at, you know, at Twin University, we talk a little bit about it, but honestly, we probably should do so much more of an education around it, but it's not uncommon. The yeah. uncommon thing is that people don't talk about it. Right. And yeah. So- I didn't know that postpartum anxiety is as common as postpartum depression, maybe more because it's harder to find. I definitely anxiety. think more. I definitely yeah. think more just being on this side of the table and speaking to the wonderful parents. And it's, by the way, it's dads too. Dads yeah. totally experience postpartum um, anxiety because they're like, holy crap, everybody's here. How am I going to take care of her? How am I going to take care of them? How am I going to take care of this house? I got a job. Like there's a lot that goes on and it's, they're not even dealing with the big hormonal shift that occurred after pregnancy. So when you knew that it was the right thing to do, had you taken medication before for any mood disorders? I had had it kind of recommended as an optional treatment plan, but I felt Mm -hmm. like I was managing pretty well by watching diet and exercise and meditation and all Mm -hmm. that jazz. Kind of getting to know my own thought processes and cutting out the bad ones, all that. Yeah. Um, So I was really kind of at the like, "Mm, I don't know. And my husband has never had a history in his family with mental health medication either. So when I brought it up with him, he was like, Ooh. Yeah. And at that point it was, we didn't know it yet, but a week before the babies came home. Um, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do when the kids come home, if it's not better. And I'm afraid that drugs would make things worse because you yeah. never know what kind of side effects you're going to have. Yeah. But at this point, like I need to try it Yes. because this is about to get a whole lot harder when they come home and we're responsible for them all the time. And I also just didn't want to miss that time. Yeah. So where I was willing to kind of roll the dice and tough it out in the rest of my life, I knew that this was probably my only pregnancy and my only new babies and all that. So I wanted to be there for it. Yeah. And it seemed like for the first time medication was going to let me be there more than not being medicated. What did they end up giving you? Zoloft. Zoloft. Which, Which is pretty typical. 
Yeah, it's postpartum. Like it's kind of basic SSRIs to think about. Yeah, it's it's okay. So I have admitted this a little bit, but I was given medication and I would throw it in the toilet bowl and tell everybody that I was taking it. So oh, I didn't hear the tell everyone you were taking part. I heard yeah, the, my husband's like, "Did you take your medicine?" I'm like, "Yep, yep, I totally threw it right in the bowl," <laughs> and I didn't, and I have horrible regrets about that. Not of course, not only lying to my family, but of spiting <laughs> myself and experience to get better. Yeah because I had never taken anything before yeah. and I hadn't had any friends who took anything. Now, mm-hmm. dude, I'll pop a Klonopin in nobody's business, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you got, what do you got? I'll chase it with a Lexpro. I'm in. So yeah, I'm not saying to really do that by the way, but I am saying that I have no hesitation when it comes to treating my mental health the same way that I would treat my physical health, because it's ridiculous that people are so quick to, you know, know, treat the bleeding. Uh, it's, it's, and I have told so many people that, right. Where it's like, well, if you have diabetes, you take the insulin, yeah. if you have whatever you, whatever. But then when it came to my own brain, I still just didn't want to take that risk of something yeah. going outside your control really. But we've talked a lot on, about twins. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to you talk a lot. So <laughs> I've, talked a lot. I've been around here this whole time. About how everything's unexpected and yeah. you didn't give up the control anyway. It's tough. It's tough as a fellow type A'er. I mean, look, I I was trying to write it out, but I have barely, barely memories. Like I definitely have memories and thank God I kept journaling. I was, which I'm not a writer, funny, you know, that's funny to say, (laughs) but I've never really written before I got pregnant. I never, like, I would have Hmm. never had a journal, nothing like that. And for some reason, when I got pregnant, I started doing that and I got into the habit of it. But there are some memories that I only have on paper. They're not Mm -hmm. in my head. And so whether it was my own, you know, mind blocking things out to, to kind of protect me from it, I have no idea why, but I have, there's, there's pockets of things that happened and I will still, I talk about the, the um, concert. Do you ever hear me talk about, I went to a concert at Madison Mm -hmm. Square Garden. I have no recollection of it. (laughs) Well, you know, that could partly be because uh, memories are stored while you sleep. Mm. You aren't sleeping. Yeah. It's the defrag for the old nerds out there Uh listening. I always say that that's the time where you defrag. But Kitty, do you have times that you look back now because they're still little, but they're, they're old enough to have some substantial memories. Do you look back and have pockets of fuzz or do you? Not really. It might happen later, but everyone talks about how the first year with kids is so fast and it's all a blur, but we were on three to six hour shifts. Mm-hmm. I was living literally minute to minute being like, how long until husband comes back with milk from the grocery store? Cause we ran out or how long, or I guess at that point it was formula, mm-hmm. but <laughs> how long until my shift is done and I can go back to sleep. And I still have pretty vivid memories of most of that. Uh, although I'm also kind of a addicted to taking photos and making baby Good. photo books. Good. I have a, a master's of fine arts and poetry and I used to spend a lot of time doing highbrow art. And now I'm like, I really like making Shutterfly photo books. <laughs> they're the best. Yeah, they're really fun. And that maybe that's part of how I hang on to a lot of the memories too. Oh, that, that definitely, definitely helps. I think photos, you know, the photos and the journaling, you look back and you're like, we went there. So yeah. it's, it's good because it might get more fuzzy later on, but that's just time. You know, that's not necessarily, yeah. you know, a, a mood disorder. I definitely think that mine was depression that just kept me in the fuzz. And it was my weird, like, um, just protecting myself from myself. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I would think about leaving, but I could tell you it started in the hospital too. I remember being in that hospital bed and telling my sister, I got to go. And she looked at me and I remember even the pajamas that I was wearing. And I said, I can't do this. Like this was a mistake. And my sister, one of the things she said was, please don't forget you paid extra for this because I had (laughs) IVF. (laughs) Classic, a classic sister move. I thought you were going to say you were in one of those deluxe spa rooms. Oh no, not at all. I was just in a regular (laughs) schlubs room with 87 other people. It was great. But I remember her saying, okay, well, first of all, let's put it in perspective. This is something that like you really wanted, Mm -hmm. but if you want to go, let's go. And I was like, what? Really? She's like, if you want to go, let's go. She's like, where do you want to go? She's like, I don't drive. We'll take a taxi. And at the time it was only yellow taxis. There was no Ubers and and other things like that. But she's like very serious. She was like, okay, let's go. She's like, you know, mommy and daddy will take care of the the kids. John's going to be a great dad. Everybody's going to be looking out for everybody. Let's go. And I think it was that, that I was like, I can't go. 
how could I go? So my sister was really good. And my, but my sister is a very big advocate for mental health since the Mm -hmm. time that she was a teenager, much more so than I was. Or, or is today like my sister is like hey I bought this crystal and I'm like you know that does nothing and she's like but it makes me feel like it does so just shut up and I'm like okay do it do whatever start a ritual you know I don't I don't even care what it is yeah but it's it's fascinating how we don't talk about the anxiety and we don't talk about mood disorders in general and that they're so common but I would love you know like like I know that I want everybody to have a therapist lined up whether yeah. you need them or not just, just like general. I think Yes. You need curriculum K-12 somewhere where we learn how to communicate with each other and set boundaries and relationships. And we need therapy to learn how you think and how you can think better. So what advice would you give to somebody that's expecting, that's listening to this, that, you know, doesn't know if they're going to deliver at 30 weeks, like many of us don't, because nobody plans for that. Nobody's like, could we induce at 30 weeks, please? Because that's just enough, says no one ever in the history of humanity. Maybe in the middle of the night when you're trying to find a sleeping position and you're so huge and you're- You're like, that's it. Yes, (laughs) it's true. I did have the thought, which I, of course, then felt guilty for when they came, that was like, I could be done now. (laughs) It gets tough and you didn't even get to the good part. Oh yeah. When you're, when you're 34, 37 weeks waddling all over the place. See my feet. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That I always say the benefit of preemies is like, I had a vaginal delivery. I was like, it's like a slip and slide. They literally, I could cough. They popped right out. They're like, oh my God, you had a vaginal delivery. I was like, I didn't know that I was going to have a vaginal delivery, but baby A was just like, Hey, here's the party. As far as advice, I think it's trying to round up that support system. And if you have a partner or main partners, you really want to communicate with them what the expectations are. Maybe get it in writing. So that's a good idea. You can wave it at them later. (laughs) Like my partner was really great about setting up equal three hour shifts all of the time and trying to jump in when I needed stuff. But he also was in a completely different world than I was. (laughs) When I started going to postpartum support group at a, a nearby hospital, which is what I did when I was like, oh, this is bad today. Like before I could get into my OB, I showed up and it was so great just to have a room of moms who were like, oh yeah, I've had that thought too. Oh, I was changing a diaper and saw like if someone had like knifed a slash up their stomach. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. That's why we're all here. (laughs) Yes. Good thing we're here now. Like that's called an intrusive thought. It's a thing. It's pretty common. It doesn't mean anything about you. Mm -hmm. You can move past it, whatever. Um, and I have no idea that that was around, but because I had talked to my partner about like, Hey, I'm a little anxious too. Can you keep an eye on me? And then she tried, but, oh, I was saying they asked me on a scale of one to 10 to rate my birth experience. And I asked Steve that, and he said a nine, what he said, nine out of 10. And then he gave the direct quote, well, once the babies were out and Katie was fine, I just knew we were all good. And God bless him. I have to just say. (laughs) I was thank like, you thank for you, people like you also, in the world. Yes. Right. And that was a great support, but also like, if we hadn't had the talk with like, this is probably going to be hard. And then I had to keep saying, yeah, you will have to advocate for yourself. Yes. That like, I don't feel great. And I don't think this is normal. Yeah. Or even if this is normal, like I can't, I can't. <sighs> and nine, I find a nine out of 10, a nine out of 10 is great. I know, which I have for visual. If this does go up on YouTube, the rest of you just imagine a giant sheet full of paper that I showed him. That's like, these oh, are all great. of the thoughts that I was having. Wow. That's and all so the things that I was worried about. And he's like, oh, and that's when it clicked for him, I think. I think it's but also it, a boy thing a little bit too, Yeah, unfortunately. So yeah, I think that there's something to men, God bless their simplicity at times. And of course, I'm not saying this is every man. But we had, um, I had a discussion with my husband the other day and I said, when you look at this, what does it mean to you? And it was a very random conversation. It was an orange Mm -hmm. on the kitchen counter. (laughs) That's all that it was. It was just an orange on the kitchen counter, not a tangerine, just an orange. And I said, what does that say to you? And he said, that's an orange on the counter. Mm -hmm. I said, that's all that you see is an orange on the counter. And he's like, that's all I see is an orange on the, I was like, babe, that's it. And he's like, no, he's like, why, what do you see? I said, well, when I see that, I see that somebody didn't eat their orange. 
<laughs> and I see that now who didn't eat their orange. And now, you know, I know that this is cold and flu season and they're not going to, they're probably didn't get enough vitamin C for the day. So and who do I need? The orange and is it going to attract ants and is it going to fall off? Yeah. Katie, that's what I'm saying to you. I know. But to him, it was an orange. To me, it was the, if you give a mouse a cookie situation. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was already four years in advance when my kids had scurvy <laughs> from not eating an orange, you know? But it's, well, it's the, it's the way our brains work. We're very, I guess the gatherer in us is well, our brains. And then we're trained to be the nurturer. And then there's the very real biological thing you mentioned, where even I think if you're female, same sex partners, or you get a surrogate or something, but you didn't birth the baby, yes. it's a very different experience because you don't have that whole, uh, like guilt of your body failing you, mm-hmm. the like stress of trying to control things yeah. because it's literally part of you. That's just not something that you dealt with. Yeah. He was sitting there reading a book about Russian history. God bless him. I mean, honestly, like I envy sometimes my husband and his simplicity. And I just, I want to be him for like 20 minutes. I don't want it for a day. That's like too much. But the, the break of like, okay, I could do this one thing in the world you know, while it's crumbling around me, it'll still be crumbling in 20 minutes. Or if it's just other focused, but oh, in this awesome. case, it was definitely giving them, giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. <laughs> I have what my husband knows. I have literally no mercy when it comes to many things that he does. He slept through all of my labor, like yeah. snoring to the point that the, the nurses came in, like literally they're like, oh, he's such a sound sleeper. I'm like, great, go morphine, go, because I was in oh. so much pain from my preeclampsia. Right? I was like, let's, let's do this. It's, it's really, really, really wild of how we could have such a different experience, but not only we being the mm-hmm. men and women, but also women to women of how different it could be. Because mm-hmm. you know that there's also this thing called postpartum euphoria. Yeah. So there's and postpartum OCD. Totally. totally. So okay. there is, yeah. that's why we just say mood disorder, because there mm-hmm. is no one thing. People often heard so much, you know, from our, our mom's generation, our grandma's generation, well, barely in our grandma's generation, but in our mom's generation, there was, oh, you know, the baby blues and, you know, postpartum um, depression, but we're finding, we're lucky that we're finding that it isn't just depression and people need to recognize like you did in yourself that wait, you know, now Katie, truthfully, this Mm -hmm. is going to sound crazy but you were lucky to have such extreme thoughts to know that it was yeah, something. Yeah, like this needs to be something. Yeah. yeah. Because even within postpartum anxiety, it can look so different. Most of what I was experiencing was just sitting at the NICU every day, completely unable to decide when I was going to leave or how I was going to leave, if I was mm-hmm. going to call somebody or if I was going to get on the bus because I couldn't drive at that point, or if I was going to eat in the cafeteria or if I had brought enough snacks and when I needed to pump and how long I wanted to hold them each because- our Nikki was great about giving you a lot of input and trying to let you take control of their care, mm-hmm. but it was just so many decisions. I was in this constant indecision paralysis. And then for some other people, it looks like being afraid that other people are going to touch your baby. So you can't leave your baby for a minute because you are the only one protecting it. Or it can look like, yeah, I don't know, like every small thing blows up. Yeah. A huge thing. Some people get angry. Some people get sad. You don't really know. No, you don't. And the NICU doesn't often recognize it because of their, truthfully, they're not really trained to do it, you know, and not no, every they NICU don't have has a social worker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ours did. And she checked in with me, but she mostly gave me the screener. And then I think I looked fine. It's like you get deflated at some times and you're like, if nobody's going to see this, yeah. how do you know it's a thing? Like if somebody doesn't recognize you in something, is it something? And I will say the screener is good in that it made me think. hmm like, what could I circle on here? Because I could say yes, most of the time. Yes, very often for all of these. But like, I kind of round it down because I'm yeah. thinking like, no, it's not so bad, Katie. You're doing all right, whatever. But at least it spurred me to think about it. Yeah. Um, now, have you gone off the Zoloft or are you still on it? I haven't because when I was about to was in March, 2020. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, coronavirus, maybe let's just stay on not the time it's true yeah yeah there's enough transition in the world it doesn't need to be transitioning yeah and my doc recommended also not doing it in a michigan winter where it's real gray to avoid the different kind of sads yeah um so i don't know how long it's going to be i don't know if it'll be forever i just Mm -hmm. know that it has been a great gift to me i think the sentence that finally convinced me that i should try zoloft was when my ob who had come to trust through the birthing process as we were hugging each other, trying to decide whether it was a C-section or not. 
looked at me and was just like, Katie, I think this could really help you. Like, can you let it try to help you? Yeah. And I was like, yes, I think so. But then I still had to pick it up from the Walgreens or whatever. And then you had to like actually take it and not dump it in the toilet. And then you have to actually take it every day. And you're like, okay. And sometimes I think about, yeah, what will it be like when I go off it or do I need this thing or something? But boy, Mm -hmm. did it get me through when I needed it. You know, what's interesting, and it's actually right next to me, ironically. Mm. um, So I take Lexapro now. I still, I actually only started it. I don't remember when I started it, but I started it once I had, um, my parents were both terminally ill at the time. Unfortunately, one of them has passed away, but I was going through something and I called my doctor and I'm like, I have a, you, you have to have a good relationship with your doctor. And if you don't have a good relationship with your doctor, you need to find another freaking doctor. I just want to go on the record and say that right now it's a public service because I called her and I'm like, dude, I am not okay here's mm-hmm. what's happening. And she's like, okay. She's like, here's what we're going to do. And I had never taken anything before. Mm-hmm. So I had, I started taking um, Lexapro, like some minimal doses or whatever. I was like, they say I'm working. She's like, let's up it a little bit. Let's see how things go. <laughs> do it slowly. I'm like, okay, yeah. Jerry, we'll do what you want. I don't even call her a doctor because she's just Jerry to me. I don't care <laughs> if you have fancy papers behind you in your office, you're just Jerry. So um, then I went on it again during this pandemic. So I, I slowly went off it after my father passed. And I'm like, okay, I think my I'm out of the woods. I only have one parent to take care of now. And as crazy as that sounds, that's certainly less uh, overwhelming. And mm-hmm. we have a very tiny mom and pop pharmacy here. We don't go to a CVS, nothing against CVS oh, yeah. or anybody. But here in New York City, you either go to like a giant conglomerate or you uh-huh. go to like Bill's. Uh-huh. you know, and there's still everybody knows your business. Oh, I don't care. She can know all my business. Yeah. <laughs> so our pharmacist is her name is Terry. And she whenever look, I'm going to try that so you could actually see that I'm not kidding you. Oh, yeah. So she writes, uh-huh. you can't see it didn't come out clear. But for the Lexa Pro, it says take one tablet daily, then dance around for 10 minutes. If no <laughs> effect, then sing any Louis Armstrong song. That is me. what it says on my <laughs> prescription bottle of Lexa Pro. And I'm like, Terry, you're going to go to like pharmacy jail for doing something. This is not good. And she's like, no, she's like, I want you when you take it every day. She's Mm -hmm. like, I'm glad that you're taking it, but I want to give you an extra reason to smile. Like, that's the reason why, like that type of support. You can't find more human too. Yeah. That might actually help much more than anything else. Yes. And it makes you want to take it because you're like, oh, Terry knows. So now not only do I not want to disappoint Jerry, like you were saying about your doctor. Now you're Googling Louis Armstrong lyrics. Yes. Or I'm playing it on A-L-E-X-A. I can't say her name. So yes, it's it's so funny. She's so good. And then every month it says something different, like take one, then put your left foot in and put your left (laughs) foot out. And I never know what my prescription is going to say, but she doesn't do it for anything else. So like if we have to take antibiotics or whatever, it's just normal. But for some reason on the Lexapro, she always Uh writes something awesome. And I love her so much for that. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, about normalizing it. Mm -hmm. You know, she's writing millions of those prescriptions. You know, like this is especially in the middle of a pandemic. And thank God we could kind of see the light at the end of this tunnel. But Mm -hmm. it's okay to get help. And you're not a failure. And you're not. And like, there are a lot of steps that you can work through while you get comfortable. I had like a hierarchy of help yeah. where it's like, before I could confess this to anybody, I needed to like read about other moms talking about it and yeah. not ending up in a padded room. Yeah. And so I definitely did Googling and I found a couple of books on there, one of which I did a shout out to in my um, little write up there, whether or not you give shout outs to random places. Yeah, we'll put all the links below. Anything that you, and you're more than welcome to. This is not that yeah, kind of podcast. Book, uh, good moms have scary thoughts where you read all the other moms who are like, someone says, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm totally overwhelmed. And this was a huge mistake. And I think I failed. And my baby was born too early. And I don't know if they're okay in the thought bubble. And then they say, fine. Yes. <laughs> so I found those and I was like, oh, okay. And then I went to that postpartum support group. And I said the things that I was afraid to say to other people who said mm-hmm. the same things back to me. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I can tell Steve who I love and completely trust. And if you had asked me do I feel the need to keep a secret from this man? No. Mm-hmm. But like when it came to, I feel like a danger to my own kids or I don't feel like a danger, but I yes. feel like I'm a perceived danger to my own kids. Yeah. I didn't trust even him to back me up on that for a yeah. while. I had to get comfortable with it. Yeah. 
And then once I told him, then you're like, oh, okay, well, I can tell my counselor and then I can call my doctor, which, yeah, to your point, if you don't have a doctor that you know, um, I would ask in your NICU or your OB floor, they almost always have lists of postpartum specialists. Because I did also go to one lady who started telling me her own birth trauma story about how her mom didn't think she would survive when she was born. And I was like, this is not appropriate in a counseling relationship. (laughs) Thank you. No, yeah. thank you. Yes. Or they fall asleep on you. My sister had a therapist that oh, fell no. asleep in the middle of her session. We'd love to talk about that, about how boring my sister is, that even her therapists fall asleep. It's, we love it. <laughs> we still talk about it to this day. But yes, now we laugh about it. Ha ha ha. It wasn't so That funny. did also help me when I, yeah, years ago, uh, before I got driven into counseling too, for various life stuff, I was like, oh no, I don't want to go to counseling. And they would always say, well, we don't record this and we won't share it with anyone. And at that point I was like, you know, no one cares. Yeah. Like no one's going to want to listen to the tape yeah. of this. We have reality TV out the wazoo. We've got That's multiple streaming platforms now. You don't even have to pay attention to what time you're looking for it. Like my most intricate secrets and whatever are nobody's yeah. favorite show. <laughs> you never know though. I don't know. And I, I know that there's people that are going to be listening to this thing going, oh my God, Katie, I'm so worried about her and her kids. It's something that we work through. And when you have a good team mm-hmm. that you work through, it's, it's, you guys got to talk about it. I mean, Katie, I'm so lucky. I do. I said it before. I'm so lucky that you were able to talk to us about this. Well, you're lucky and you've built the community too, where we can say stuff. Yeah. And man. I love that. We that's say everything. I like us too. Yeah. I, I love it. us too. I do. I have to say like, I, I do absolutely love us. I created it so that everybody could have that discussion about hemorrhoids and incontinence, about depression, <laughs> about, you know, how not to murder your spouse in their sleep. I mean, these are things uh, that have to get covered at Twiniversity. And Katie, I don't even know if you know, you know that we have a monthly meeting, right? So now Twiniversity has a monthly meeting. It's led by a social worker. And, you know, misery loves company. It should be the tagline of that. I say it all the time, but it's really, it's important to know that when you have no place to turn, you could start with us and Mm -hmm. having somebody at the helm that, you know, is a social worker and has training, she could say, okay, here's what we need to do next. And so sometimes I'll get calls after the meeting and she'll say, I'm a little worried about this person. And -hmm. I'll say, okay, I'll call them today. And it's so interesting Great. that like, I'll pick up the phone and call people and they'll be like, you're calling me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm calling you. Lauren's worried about you. <laughs> like, why would yeah. I not be calling you? But we're still, you know, although we are this kind of international group, it's mm-hmm. still, I still really care about you. You're my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why wouldn't I call you? What does it matter? As long as you're willing to watch me eat my almonds, like that's the, that's the kind of person that I am. And that's the kind of person that our community is, is built with. I mean, it's, it's people like you, Kitty, that just, you know, that is so willing to just, you know, rip off the bandaid and be like, dude, look at it. Look at what happened to me and I'm okay. And my babies are okay. And I'm raising my plants to be wonderful members of society. Like there's, it's, there's so much greatness. Nah, they're not going to die. That's fine. That one behind you (laughs) at your right shoulder, you can't kill it. It's impossible. Yeah. But I've got some of them that are not. Yeah. That one doesn't look too happy. Yeah. No, that would have been pretty. It was. It has been, it may be again, or it may not, oh. but there are some things that we let go. Yes. And <laughs> it's going to be that plant. As I was it's watching a-, a YouTube video on how to revive an orchid last night, I should have been oh, sleeping, yeah. but I was hypnotized by orchids. I'm like, I don't want one. You know how many orchids yeah. people bought me and killed in my lifetime. Now <laughs> I feel guilty because apparently I could have revived all of those orchids. <laughs> well, and I'm a poet. So now that we're talking about it, I do have to point out that some of them are thriving and even sprouting into new ones Look at that. So we're going to get some new umbrella plants which are actually trees oh that's so, you know some things die off and some things you put that's in a little okay. jar for a while and give it some extra sun and it starts something new yes it's okay to change yeah it is okay to change it is okay to graduate you know, it is okay to kind of evolve from being a NICU mom to being a twin mom to being a toddler mom. And someday you're going to be a school age mom. And then they're, you're going to have kids in high school and college, and then they're going to have yeah. lives of their own. Like there's so many, um, so many versions of us that we're going to go through. And Katie, thank you so much for yeah. being a part of our family and for sharing your story today. And I hope it really helps people heal to realize that we're really not alone. You're really no, not. We're not. 
we're all in this together, man. Pre-pandemic, uh, post-pandemic, twin parents <laughs> always have been. That's that's how we roll. True. Um, and I just outed myself out as a poet. So I do also have a poem if we've got time for that. Because I feel like. Yes. Sometimes you say poetry and people are like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you? Cuckoo? Uh, Absolutely not. Especially in this urge to kind of connect with each other and be vulnerable with each other. Mm -hmm. and I think poetry has been a real gift to me in that it's a quieter moment. It's something where you can get to those deeper, quieter places where you can process some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I have this one that kind of gets to all the stuff that we've been talking about, I think. I'd love to hear it. Thank you. Um, so it's called Keep in Touch. Keep in touch is a hard promise right now. It's usually easier not to talk about this uh, with our friends and our parents and our coworkers and strangers on the sidewalk. It's easier to only hear our own doubts, to only sit with our own questions. A premature infant like ours, like our two, needs to be touched, but only gently, occasionally. They stay in their isolates, their incubators six feet apart, covered by quilts to keep out even the light and the beep and the beep and the beep of the machines. We're supposed to touch our own babies as if asking permission by laying our hands on them gently, slow, still, not caressing. The nurses say that preemies feel a parent stroking as pain. Mm. For the first few days, we do ask permission to touch them at all, to turn off their air control and reach through the portals for even the sweet baby scent of them. I'm like this now too. When I've been in bed all afternoon, all evening, pumping many hours before my husband comes home or is ready for bed, and he cracks the door, he brings in the lights and the sounds with him. He wants to rub my temples to comfort me. He wants to ask about my day, but he wakes me. He forgets to murmur. He uses his regular voice instead of the hush that I am part of now. He is still in touch with the outside world in a way that I am not. Mm. Yeah, that You're... was my postpartum anxiety in a poem right there. <laughs> <sighs> yep people could try to do something gentle and wonderful and it's not always deemed as that and it should be how do you care for me you know yeah. I wish there was that that was that was really I understand you so I'm sorry that that happened to you and I don't think that enough people really say that when you go through something that's tough and they think it's a part of life but Katie I'm honestly sorry I'm sorry yeah. that you had to go through that and that your, your start of motherhood wasn't what you had anticipated, you know? Yeah. You want to hear, I'm sorry. And then you just want to hear, but they're so beautiful yeah. <laughs> or not the, but, cause I know you've said the, not the, the but. I'm sorry, but <laughs> so someone can say, I'm sorry. And then someone else can walk in and they mm -hmm. can just say, oh, your baby's beautiful and amazing. Cause I feel like that's what I missed most on was the celebrating of life. Mm -hmm oh, look how adorable and sweet and kind without all the fear. Yeah, it is. It's it's very fearful. And, you know, having preemies, I would love to tell you that it ends at the NICU. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, you know, there could be more susceptibility to urinary tract infections and, you know, respiratory infections. And part of why I have been so bubbled in this pandemic is really oh, yeah. because of it. So I have like, everybody's like, oh, you're not letting your friends see friends. No, are you high? Are you high right now? Have you, do you know, I'm still, you know, 16 years later, I'm still carrying some NICU scars and I am not going back to any of that if I could prevent it because now it is in my control and I could keep it. Do you home. feel like the NICU was a great training ground for this? Oh, because where did I learn to wash my hands and not go anywhere? But it does also mean I've been in this bubble since 2018. Yeah. So it's been a minute, but that's a typical, yeah. uh, a typical twin mom bubble. You'll come out of it. We'll come out of it together. And Katie, thank you so much for playing with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. So guys, if that's, uh, by the way, for those, she popped out already. So, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> um, guys, if you have any questions for Katie and I, you could email us at community at twiniversity.com 
or you could always send us a direct message on any social platform. We're just at Twiniversity, but just a gentle reminder, it's just twiniversity.com slash memberships is where you could find a membership. If unfortunately it is not in your financial means to become a member, do not stress. Send us an email at the community at Twiniversity, and we will happily comp you a scholarship because under no circumstances should people have to pay for support. We like to try to keep the lights on. That's just something, unfortunately, that we have to do as a business, but we are not looking to turn anybody away if you really need help. We really will be here for you. And also, please don't forget that we have a mentorship program that is also totally free. It's a peer-to-peer mentorship program. And if you're experiencing any signs of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and postpartum OCD or euphoria, please reach out to your doctor first and foremost and start that conversation, no matter how hard it is. And if you cannot start this conversation, then you bring your phone with you to the doctor and you say, I want to play this little poem. And you rewind back to the minute where Katie started telling us and you say, this is what I'm worried about. And you do not have to start a conversation because Katie started it for you. So thanks again, Katie, for playing with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right, gang, until next time, we will see you later, alligators. And uh, yeah, I'm not even going to remind you to subscribe because if you didn't, if if you, this didn't resonate with you, good is what I want to say. And you're, (laughs) you're a lucky person that it didn't, but until next time, guys, we'll see you later, alligators. Hey friends, it's Julie, the Twiniversity Wizard, and I am here to tell you about a new class that we just released that I think you are really going to dig. It is called the Complete Baby Safety Course. Now this course is on demand, which means that it's a series of videos that you could take on your own schedule at any time of the day or night. And you and your partner can watch it together, you could watch it separately, you could share it with grandma, your nanny, It's going to be great for the whole family. So what's included in the course? Infant, toddler, and child CPR. Infant, toddler, and child choking, also known as the Heimlich Maneuver. You're also going to learn first aid for uh, infants, toddlers, and children. Car seat safety for those ages as well. And child proofing, how you're going to get your house ready for when your babies start moving around, right? So the class is offered as a three-month access or a five-year access. I really feel like the five-year access is gonna be phenomenal for you because you're gonna be able to go back and watch it whenever you need to. You can come back every year on their birthday and watch it again uh, to refresh on CPR methods and to figure out like, oh no, we're moving from infant seats to convertible seats, how does that work? So for more information, visit twiniversity.com safety and I hope you enjoy it.